All right, everyone. Welcome to a Saturday edition of Crypto with English. And today's theme is Polygon. And we have a very, very special guest from Polygon. We have Sophia Trebelsi. She's the Web3 Gaming Lead at Polygon Technology. As many of you know, as Matic. And she's coming on today to really discuss Web3 Gaming and kind of everything that surrounds and entails that. And for many of you who are already in this space, it is abundantly apparent that Polygon technology may end up being one of the major successors to Ethereum and essentially the Ethereum-based DAP ecosystem that we've all really benefited and enjoyed um, over the past few years. So kind of a brief overview of Polygon, and then we're going to get into the weeds about Web3 Gaming on Polygon. So Polygon is really this incredible multi-chain ecosystem, which many call the internet of blockchain, or internet of blockchains rather. And it uses a proof of stake um, blockchain architecture. And this is combined with the Plasma framework. So there is some serious, respectable technology and power behind this. And just to give you an idea. So if you have a standard blockchain, and if you're going to build side chains to this, you're kind of scaling your DAP, your platform up. So Matic, Polygon can process 65,000 transactions per second with less than a two-second block confirmation. This is, this is effectively a Lamborghini or a Ferrari. If this was a racetrack and we're going to call you know, certain blockchains you know, different cars, this is a genuine <laughs> supercar race car to say the least so sophia thank you very much for coming on to you know the show today i'm very excited for this episode to say the very least i'm super excited as well and uh thank you for the invite and thank you for the opportunity to sort of get to discuss all these you know exciting things with you um and actually i wanted to touch on a little point um sure our goal i think is it's not to you know necessarily become the the successor of Ethereum, we are built on Ethereum, um, and right. Ethereum, you know, is the mothership of all blockchains. Um, and you know, just sort of like a shout out moment for Ethereum here. Um, right. I mean, this is what kind of made everything possible, like through their ERC standards. Um, so we're built on top of that. So like we're the layer two solution, and right. we, you know, like we can obviously get into this, but I mean, we're super excited to just you know be able to accommodate that and to just accommodate all these wonderful projects that are coming in and, you know, just be a part of that creator's economy. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, you know, um, the little preamble there was in no way, shape or form to, um, you, know, dis <laughs> you know, dismiss Ethereum, you know, by, by any, by any stretch of the imagination. I think this is, it was more of kind of a testament to uh, I think Polygon's uh, potential and capability. So, you know, Starting off the episode, how did you find your way into, uh, you know, Polygon um, and especially this role yeah. in Web3 gaming? Um, so a little prelude, um, I was an aerospace engineer. I was an aerospace engineer for probably like one day. I graduated from aerospace engineering. That was sort wow. of like my goal. Um, uh, or like around year three or four, I think we kind of like discussed this, but I'm happy to sort of, um, we all have that crazy kind of like crypto friend, like I'm talking circa 2018. Right. And then, you know, I never, you know, really understood what he was talking about, but like, he was super excited about it. And then one day I'm like, you know, what? 
I'm going to go and like figure what this is all about. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then I was just right. as crazy as he was after that. Um, I was more into like the tech side of like aerospace. So like that kind of pushed me to go more on the dev side of um, crypto. So right. I started out as a Solidity developer, um, as a freelancer while I was still in uni. Um, Really so you were building smart contracts that. effectively on like an EVM, the Ethereum virtual machine. Trying at first, I would to. imagine. Trying okay. to. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> I was I was definitely trying to. I think that's how it started because like there was no course on Solidity per se. I mean, even the content online, you know, isn't as romanticized as it is today, where right. it's kind of like very easily digestible. It's kind of like made nice and clean for everyone to understand. But like right. at the time, it was and like when I say at the time, it wasn't really that long like a go, but certainly, you know, less romanticized in the sense where it's like, here's the protocol, you know, here's the code base, you know, I did most of the things from my terminal, um, even like when they came out with the ERC standard for NFTs, I started dabbling with that, like through my terminal. This was kind of like my connection to Web3. And I'm, and I'm really happy that this was the case, because it really kind of pushed me to like, directly kind of um, mesh with the protocols without essentially having, you know, to read all about it, but like have a firsthand kind of right. approach, like a very proactive approach. And then once the, like the, the material became more abundant, it just, you know, looked a little bit easier for me to use. Um, so yeah, I started as a freelancer um, and as a Solidity developer, um, continued that. And then I worked with an IDO platform, more of an IGO platform um, where we did sort of like gaming. Um, so IDO specifically for games. Um, and then that kind of translated into incubating um, games through that interaction that I had with them and, you know, really getting to have more of a detailed understanding of the gaming side of Web3. Wow. Um, especially very early on, I think when I joined, like it was around like you know, at like at the time where like Web3 gaming was kind of becoming like a buzzword. So right. um, just to be like a part of like that momentum and, you know, discover the space in real time. Um, and yeah, and then I, um, you know, I mean, obviously it's Polygon, so I'm not going to get into like, I mean, everyone knows that, you know, that's it's like a major player in the space. Sure. And, you know, they started Polygon Studios, which is the sort of like the creative arm of Polygon to essentially enable this ecosystem uh, to be supported, um, you know, beyond, you know, investment, but also resources that that are there to help the projects, because it's not enough to just, you know, have an investment. It's like, how do you use that efficiently in, in order to create a really good project? So I think that's sort of like the core of Polygon Studios. And that's kind of was like, OK, I want to be a part of that. And uh, wow. yeah, I applied and some way, somehow I got in. So. That's great. And uh, could you describe what Web3 gaming is? Uh, you know, there's a lot of conceptions and perhaps misconceptions <laughs> as far as what that entails. You know, some people have, um, you know, some idea of like the metaverse and, you know, things like the central land, you create an avatar and essentially kind of, you kind of interact with a parallel digital world as you would, you know, akin to reality. So um, could you describe what Web3 gaming is? Yeah, I mean, um, first of all, it's gaming. There's, there's, on the visual sort of like front of what gaming means, it is still gaming. I think 
for me, Web3 gaming is sort of like that layer that runs on top of gaming. And that's like the game changer, which is, for example, ownership, you know. Right. Um, so I'll talk about this. There's there's actually three points and I'll address them all kind of like directly. There's like that Web3 layer of, you know, ownership, actually getting to own the assets in your game. So, I mean, it doesn't nice. sound like a lot, but like imagine playing Monopoly and actually getting to cash in your Monopoly money. Like that's kind of like the example that I always give. All right. Um, as opposed to, you know, like those assets just being, you know, the game's assets. And, you know, people right. are really happy to to like gain assets, you know, like when they're playing because, you know, they've worked hard for it or, you know, like they had to do all these challenges. But now it's like you actually get to own it. And, um, you know, and there is a seller's economy for that as well. So if you ever do want to sell it at some point, that's always available. So, I mean, I think ownership is, you know, like we don't give it enough credit, but it is a very powerful difference. Right. The other uh, like aspect that I think really sort of um, speaks to gamers is this idea that you get rewarded for your gaming skills. Um, you know, there's a lot of folks right. out there that spend many hours playing um, and, you know, uh, there's always like this notion of like you're kind of wasting your time. But like right now you're not because you're actually getting right. rewarded for that time and even more so uh, getting rewarded for having, you know, certain skills that allow you to to reach certain levels in the game. Um, and I think that kind of incentivizes people to to have more of like a respect, you know, like when they're playing Web3 gaming. Um, and I think, you know, it's gonna be interesting to sort of see how that pans out um, in the future. But certainly uh, I think those are the two main points of, of like Web3 gaming from kind of like a cultural and you know, like, I don't want to get too into the tech. I mean, I'm happy to get in more like on the, on, like on the tech side, but I think from just, you know, a gamer's perspective, I think those would be like the two big differences. Yeah. And by the way, there's a lot of, uh, right. There's a lot of substance um, in direction we can go to regarding gaming. So just to add maybe a layer of, you know, context, you know, with an example. So let's say, for example, as far as Web3 gaming, if I am playing some sort of like open world adventure game, and let's say I, as the player, I find a special item, whether it's like a, some sort of a magical sword or an axe or like a special piece of armor or like a skin, like an outfit, so to say. In, in let's say, a Web3 scenario, Web3 game, I actually own that as essentially a piece of property. And if I want to, I can actually go ahead and sell this in a transaction to probably another player out there. Who would want to, you know, spend um, whether it's like a Ethereum or some sort of, you know, comparable, you know, cryptocurrency if they wanted, let's say, that item for myself, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, the seller's economy is really powerful in the sense where, like, you know, you get to actually sell something that you worked hard to achieve because, like, let's say you want that asset in the game, and you know, you don't necessarily want to continue playing that game, where you're kind of happy where you are right now, where you need. You know, for for whatever reason, like the the point is, is that this is kind of an option that people have, um, and you know, like kind of just touching on the secondary market, um, by far is OpenSea, and the only right. other sort of like big blockchain that's supported beyond Ethereum on OpenSea is Polygon, um, and right. that's you know, I think that's a huge sort of like sign of confidence, yeah, of like a you know for Polygon. Um, but essentially for anyone that, you know, wants to interact with that blockchain, this is the biggest, you know, secondary economy, or, sorry, secondary marketplace for that. Um, right. So it's cool stuff. Yeah, definitely. And when it comes to play to earn, and uh, I think this has been 
really taking up a lot of visibility, especially over the past year. So now we're essentially living in a world, let's say if, uh, for example, I'm a gamer, I can literally be on, let's say a web three base game. And I can essentially be earning like an income based on certain activities or certain tasks yep. I do in that game. And this can go into my wallet, this can go into like a MetaMask or anything like that, correct? Yeah, this is correct. I mean, you can play an infinite amount of games and, you know, there's 10,000 ways to make income from those games. And, you know, right. just a little thought for, you know, the sort of, actually the biggest play to earn locations um, are, you know, in Southeast Asia. So for example, you have the Philippines that are, you know, by far dominating the game. You have Indonesia, India. So, you know, right. these countries, you know, like not to, you know, get it too much into like politics or not or like the sort of economic situation but it allows people to have a stream of income that you know they could just do from from the comfort of their home for having right. you know skills but even more so um i just wanted to get into this concept as as well which is really really popular right now which is free to play in web3 gaming um and i think this is kind of like the biggest sign of confidence that um you know web3 games are getting better because there was this concept of i mean it is a concept until now it's, you know, play to earn, um, right. and it's, it's, you know, it's kind of like a, a very unique term because it kind of means that you're playing to earn, you know, like you're not necessarily playing because the game's cool or you like what you're seeing or okay, I it's, see. you're playing just for that purpose. And now there's this concept of play and earn, which is that you're playing because you actually like the game and you're earning. So the incentive is, you know, the game itself and the earning aspect. And a lot more games right now are going for the free to play kind of mechanism. And I think this is like the ultimate signs that the quality of Web3 games, you know, is getting up to par. Um, I think there was always this notion that like Web3 games, you know, like they're from a visual standpoint um, are not really competitive with Web2 gaming. And I think with free to play, sure. it's sort of like changing that perception that we're where there's people that actually play because, you know, the game is nice and cool enough to play. So right. I think that's kind of like a shift that we're seeing. And I think it's going to be like one of the themes for gaming in 2022. Um, and I'm very curious to see like how that's going to play. Absolutely. And by the way, I really appreciate you making that distinction, play and earn and play to earn. And I think they both have very different definitions. And now, especially recently, I've seen both of those terms essentially thrown about. So play and earn really implies almost like a genuine uh, enjoyment and you could say interest in the game. So essentially earning that income is kind of a an additional perk to that experience and play to earn almost implies like a job or a task or, you know, something, you know, something along those lines. And, you know, um, because now we have both of those definitions now, it is a great distinction and it provides a lot of clarity now because people would actually ask me, whether through DM or email, like, Adam, what exactly is, you know, play to earn? Um, is this kind of like, a, is it kind of like a job? Is it kind of, you know, like, what is this exactly? So recently with play and earn, that really distinguishes the subject matter where people are actually playing these games for enjoyment, but the additional perk and benefit is deriving essentially an income in many ways, you know, from that experience. So I definitely appreciate you, you know, throwing up, you know, throwing that terminology out there. 
You know, I have a question, you know, too. And you were speaking of, um, you know, certain areas of the world that are particularly into this. And I think one of the main themes of, you know, blockchain technology and cryptocurrency is kind of the value to like unbanked populations across the world. So, you know, you know, this could be in this could be virtually anywhere. By the way, even in the United States, where there's areas that don't have great access to banking, playing Web3 games could essentially be a feasible alternative um, for people who, let's say, can't have the most convenient access to banks, but you still need an income to survive and live. You can essentially play games, you know, occupy your time and derive, you know, um, essentially crypto tokens from that experience. So it's almost like a game of it's almost gamifying a solution for a really, really important problem. I mean, you know, like what's great is that it is an option, right? Um, yeah. And you're depending on how much time and how many hours a day you want to allocate to like Web3 gaming. Um, so it really depends on the player and his right. skills, obviously, if you unlock different levels, that's always great. Um, but it's, I mean, it's it's definitely a new avenue that didn't exist before, you know, like this notion yeah. that you're, you're a gamer. It's like, what's your job? I'm a gamer, you know? Right. Where, you know, like beyond being, you know, like a professional gamer, we're obviously, you know, they do get, you know, revenue from playing professionally, like whether that's streaming or in competitions, but just like for the regular folks that are not right. necessarily professionals or amateurs, amateurs, but, you know, get to get to have that as an option for extra income um, is certainly a something that wasn't possible before. Yeah. And you know what I think is great about this, too? Uh, you know, essentially gaming and earning money from it isn't an exclusive type of activity anymore. I used to watch on YouTube like these various, I guess you could say, gaming and video game competitions across the world. And they had like, um, you know, high value prizes, like, you know, 25,000, 50,000, in some cases, 100,000. And it seemed like that was really kind of a stratosphere or an arena for hyper professional gamers um, with really beyond comprehensible skill. Like I would just watch this on YouTube. Like, wow, like these guys play video games and this guy just won $100,000 from it. You know, this girl just won like $125,000 from this. I'm like, this is incredible. And now with Web3, you can actually just start day one today on your desktop or your laptop and just go and just go right from there and kind of almost slowly and progressively start building like a, like a salary or an income from that rather. I mean, you could definitely think about it like that, but it's interesting because you mentioned streaming and, you know, I think, you know, the, the, the signal of success for a game is when people, you know, go on Twitch and YouTube and start playing the game, you know, and they right. kind of build a community around that. And, you know, beyond just playing the game as well, like watching other players, you know, kind of comparing their skill sets or whatnot. Right. This is definitely like sort of like the litmus test to sort of see, okay, this is kind of, I mean, if you look at Fortnite on Twitch, I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane, but you know, right. we don't see a lot of web three gaming there as of yet. Right. And I think kind of like the ultimate signal that, okay, this is kind of becoming a lot more mainstream and there's more people that are into it. I think beyond, you know, how many players do you have? Like, do you actually have players that are streaming your game? Um, and right. we have been hearing this with like some of the projects as well, like, you know, streaming, um, definitely like not in a superficial sense where it's like you're paying people to stream but more so like having that community around the game where people are incentivized just from the quality of the game right. um so now that we have free to play 
So the quality is almost there. And I think kind of like the next step is to start seeing Web3 gaming, you know, on major streaming channels. Right. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. And I'm very, I'm very excited. And I'm very curious to see how this will end up developing and uh, progressing and how it's going to transform this gaming, you know, altogether. And another element that's very, very important to gaming, it, you know, are NFTs, non-fungible tokens. And uh, as we all know, um, users can mint NFTs using Polygon. And as we're seeing more and more with gaming, you know, NFTs have a role in essentially this uh, micro economy or the secondary market. Um, can you get into the weeds about, you know, NFTs and kind of the element and the role they'll be playing with Web3 Gaming? Well, essentially, the, the NFTs are more like the sort of digital assets that you get to have, you know, for playing a game. Sometimes you need to purchase, you know, in-game assets in order to play the game, right. or it can be a reward for having, you know, achieved, you know, certain challenges in the game. Right. Um, so in the aspect of like NFTs um, from... I think a lot of people, when they think of NFTs, it's always like that speculation, like investor type approach, where, right? You know, the NFT is going to like 30x or sure, 100x or, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know like there's a lot of people that kind of look at, you know, like whatever NFT it is, like, how does this thing, you know, how did this thing 100x, you know, like what was the incentive behind that? And I think we talked about this a little bit earlier as well. Um, but I think it's going to be a lot harder in the sense where like there is this kind of accountability to it. Um, and, you know, it is getting right. saturated to the point where like if you are looking for that kind of project, there needs to be a utility behind that NFT beyond just being a really nice image. Right. I mean, um, so the emphasis on sort of having a value driven project that actually does have utility um, beyond just being a beautiful picture is going to become a right. lot more prominent just because there's also a lot more players in the space right now um, that right. are, you know, actually working on creating value driven um, NFT right. projects beyond just gaming as well. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting and actually just like working with the projects um, sort of like, it is a big kind of theme, which is that like, I don't want to have another NFT collection. Um, right. So what does yeah. that exactly mean? It's like, I don't want to have a bunch of JPEGs. It's like, how do I do this in such a way where it's like true to my brand and kind of like talks right. to my audience and you know, it's going to get the interest of the community in a way where it's like, okay, I see why I should buy this beyond if I buy this, there's sort of this this notion that it's going to hundred X for no particular re like reason. Um, right. So, right. And, and I do appreciate the sort of like more value driven mindset um, because, you know, I think this is what's going to last its value. If you have something that doesn't have value, then it's going to be hard to justify that long-term and to keep <clears throat> your, you know, community interested um, and loyal to the project. Right. And, and that brings up a, a very good point, especially, as it comes to NFTs, So my feeling is as time goes on and more and more people become involved in NFTs and especially web three gaming where NFTs are going to be part of transactions in that space. I guess my concern would be, um, well, first of all, I think, you know, customers and users are going to be more discerning and more particular as time goes on, but kind of touching upon what you said, is there going to be a risk that there's going to be some sort of dilution in like NFTs and their value? So we're talking about 
oh, is this just going to be another collection? You know, I think uh, I think there might be a risk where people might just end up producing more and more of the same. And like kind of like what you said, without that additional value outside of like like a nice aesthetic. So, um, you know, if that ends up becoming the case, that might really end up devaluing a lot of NFTs, you know, over time. Right. You know, I think this is kind of where gaming comes in as like the knight and the shiny white horse because right. know, like <laughs> with NFTs um, in gaming, you know, so in-game assets, there is that inherent ut like utility for them, uh, which is that you get to actually play them in the game. Right. Um, so this is kind of yes. like giving another dimension to NFTs um, that previously didn't exist but like before gaming. I mean, right. there are NFT projects where it's like they kind of promise, you know, um, certain like experiences by owning that NFT, like you get to have access to X, Y, or Z. But I think with in-game assets, the utility is pretty evident. It's that you can play them in the game. And I think, I think long-term as well, when you kind of get into sort of like interoperable blockchains, you know, getting to use those assets in like different games and whatnot. I think that's going to that that's just going to drive the utility even further. Um, so there. Yeah. So I think kind of like the the next dimension to NFTs is NFTs with utility. And then the one after that, I mean, we just have to wait and see what that translates to. But I think there's sort of like this, you know, this nice kind of approach, which is that like, let's give something value because it actually has value. Um, as right. To, right. Like, can't really well, explain it kind of thing. So let's say going off your example there, you mentioned, let's say like the, uh, the white knight on a horse, you know, with a, with the lance and the armor. So let's say, let's say in a normal setting or let's say an average setting in NFTs, I buy this white knight hero, so to say this white armored knight hero as an nft picture that's just merely an aesthetic in of itself that's it but let's say if that is integrated into an into a gaming experience i buy that let's say that that you know that knight in shining armor with the white armor on top of the horse in a gaming setting i can let's say use that knight's armor and weapons or there's some sort of additional power up to let's say the character that i'm using you know, in that game, for instance. That's a really, really good um, analogy. So like, imagine let's take like that, that horse on the white knight and like, right. you know, now there's a horse on a, on a, sorry, a horse on a knight. Wow. A knight on a yellow horse and a knight on a blue horse. And, you know, each right. color kind of represents different, uh, like a different utility in that game, you know, or like each right. one has a certain rarity. And if we go on open sea, you know, like most collections um, are kind of like, classified in value through rarity so like the rarer the item right um you know obviously the cost there increases but like in a game for example if we were to have that and then each kind of horse represented a certain like part of the game or like a certain utility in the game then that would give you know a more meaningful value um when speculating on that digital asset yeah i mean i, I can imagine like you could have these impressive collections these gamified collections of nfts so like taking you know like like you said taking the uh white knight or the white armored knight and let's say it's a yellow horse or a black horse or a blue horse or a purple horse there could be very distinguishing attributes and characteristics and probably even set i guess you could say supply um you know for i guess you could say you know 
of these items in each of these you know uh collections so i would imagine if let's say later on the player let's say if they're not using this particular game anymore and they're not really you know utilizing this you know um knight on a horseback collection they could in turn just go ahead and just sell this in this secondary um in this really the secondary market this little micro economy to somebody else they can take a profit from that and they can kind of just move on with their lives and do something else and maybe do another type of web three type game to you know occupy their time yeah absolutely and i think what's really kind of cool about all this is that this exists right like these avenues do exist right now so it is right. very kind of like early days for the space but the fact that all these avenues are there for whenever you're ready to sell or if you don't want to sell or if you i mean there's a lot of options on OpenSea, but like even just like leaving it there and letting people you know give you offers for that for that horse you know like the first person might come in you know with x amount and then the the next person is with X amount and like maybe the game becomes very popular like within a year and right. all of a sudden like the value just you know increases but there is a an actual sort of reason as to why that value increases because there's more people that are playing that game um the horse you know is as you know a very rare breed and then so this kind right. of justifies like when you're kind of explaining to your friend like why did you buy it for X amount you can kind of say well the game you know just you know went crazy and you know this is one of the rarest breeds as opposed to like kind of like justifying an image where it's kind of like, well, it's super pretty and I'm not sure why, but yeah, so there, right. it becomes a lot more um, realistic to sort of like justify why something costs X amount. Right. And, you know, and by the way, stop me if I'm going too outside the box here. So because let's say this is the case with Web3 Gaming, if let's say we have this knight on horseback and we're just talking about the black horses, so we can have a black horse with a red mane. We can have a black horse with a white mane. We can have a black horse with a blue mane. And there could essentially be separate characteristics, A, to the horse as a whole, and then B, to let's say the color of their mane or the color of their tail. And, you know, from and, you know from there yeah. on and, and so on, right? I mean, and like in terms of in-game mechanics, these sort of features would have a meaning in that game. So if he right. was, you know, a black horse with like yellow hair, then maybe, you know, he was able to fly in that game. And he was the only one of the three horses that could fly in that game. And because of that, you know, there is more of an incentive to to have that sort of like functionality in that horse. So, right. I mean, if you're like kind of playing that game and then you want to change the color of his hair like there has to be a certain reason for it and that reason right. is usually an advantage that gives you more of an advantage obviously like in that game wow that's uh and that's incredible and and it seems like to me using matic there isn't a whole lot of let's say overhead or really cost or even like um burden if if let's say i want to start creating a decentralized adapt or let's say a game using polygon in this essentially this web three type of world like i don't i don't have to be a studio per se to create a game anymore i as an individual can now go and use this correct yeah actually you know there's there's a lot of great things about using matic um so obviously when you're kind of playing a game there's that sort of feature there's that problem of like latency where like it might not be the fastest and i think in terms of you know like web 2 tech we've kind of like solved that issue where you can be playing like if it's a pvp game you can be playing with players all over the world and you know right. you wouldn't have that problem you know like with latency so 
so that's been solved right but like now like in in terms of web3 gaming specifically and which is very unique about web3 gaming is that every action is a transaction so you know anything right. that you kind of buy in the game any action that's done in a specific way where it, like it results in a transaction so you need to be on a network that is first of all fast enough so that you know right. like you're not kind of getting tired from waiting too long uh, for that transaction to go through and Indeed. i think with matic that's that's not a problem at all but the other aspect of that is that so because it's a, a transaction, there's a transaction fee. Um, and so if you're on a network that is, you know, super fast and the transaction fees, you know, are super affordable. Um, I mean, it kind of fluctuates, but, you know, it's by far the most affordable um, network out there. Um, I think that's what's going to result right. in developers kind of being incentivized to say, well, this is a cool solution, like beyond it being Polygon and beyond the ecosystem. For the in-game mechanics and from a user perspective you don't want them waiting too long for transactions to happen and you don't want that to be a strain on their wallet either you know like when they're right. kind of like really heavy on the game and then sure. you don't want to look at your wallet and see like hey i just spent you know like a hundred dollars on gas fees today just by right. playing this game but it's like more so you know i'm on a network where i can play as long as i want and i wouldn't have to have that as sort of like a barrier to me you know, playing this game. So th this is maybe like one of the really cool things about um, about Matic that kind of incentivizes the developers to pick that as a blockchain. Um, yeah. I mean, the future is multi-chain. Sure. Um, any blockchain, you know, but uh, so like kind of like the reason as to why there's always sort of like a justification for that. Right. So um, given how generous Matic is to the user's wallet, it seems like the only thing that can limit you is maybe your imagination and maybe your coding skill at that moment when when creating a game. Would it be fair to say? Yeah, I mean, we're kind of getting to a point where, you know, a lot of things are possible with Web3 um, and, you know, like just the way that it has sort of like accommodated, you know, like developers, like there is an incentive for, you know, web two games kind of like starting to look into web three games and kind of this this kind of ties with like the core of like polygon studios is to essentially right. as the creative arm of polygon to sort of enable this economy within the polygon ecosystem which is right. that you know beyond investment it's like how can we help them you know with all the resources in order to make this a successful project um right. on polygon um, and there are projects that come in and it's, it's like they're not necessarily just on Polygon, but I think the aim of Polygon Studios is really like if it's kind of like a high profile project that comes in and like they're not really too sure like about X, Y or Z, like we can essentially be there for them to support that transition. Um, and, you know, for games that are sort of like the, the indie developers in their garage, like they'll find that, you know, using the the developer tools for Polygon is by far like one of the easiest. Um, and for games that are already on like Ethereum, just making that transition to Polygon as a layer two is, is ridiculously, you know, simple. Um, right. So I think sort of like all those elements um, kind of tie in as to why um, maybe like a developer might, you know, choose to go on Polygon from like a right. technical standpoint. Right. And you know, earlier, speaking of the uh, multi-chain ecosystem, could you um, expand on that and why why that aspect makes Polygon Matic so special, especially when creating games and perhaps scaling those games up? 
Well, I think, you know, when you're creating a game, you should kind of have the choice to be on any blockchain um, that you wish right. so desire to be on. Um, and also, I think it's like such early days, like it's like very early days right now that it's like, you know, getting people in the space is kind of like the number one kind of goal here. It's, I mean, if you look at the number of like Web2 gamers, um, you can't compare that to the number of Web3 gamers right now. Um, like right. I think even, I don't even know like what the actual number is, but it's a huge, huge difference. And I'm actually curious to find that out after this call. But so getting gamers to come to Web3, um, maybe they're on one blockchain, but they're not like, they hold a wallet from like one blockchain, but they don't the other. So like just getting them there already is pretty cool. Like that's one more gamer in Web3. Yes. Um, but I think later on it's, yeah, I think everyone should have the choice to be on whichever blockchain that they want. And the goal here is just to, to like grow the space at this point, you know, like just like having quality games. Like I think because the biggest complaint that people kind of joke around with Web3 gaming is that the quality is so, so, um, but I right. think, you know, with the games coming through right now and with the triple A studios going into Web3, I think that notion is going to change very, very fast. I mean, obviously it does take a lot of time to produce a quality game. Um, it's not a three month project. It's, you know, a right. one year and a half, two year and beyond kind of project. But like the fact that triple A studios are looking into Web3 is a huge sign of confidence that Absolutely. the quality of the games are getting better and with AAA studios obviously you have the users that you know are very loyal to the games that they've previously produced and now you're saying well the next game you know is going to be on polygon um and all of a sudden there's you know gamers from web 2 that are incentivized uh, to sort of make that leap um, so the goal here is to grow as an ecosystem Wonderful. And you mentioned tools before. So let's say, for example, a viewer, you know, enjoying this episode right now is very excited about, you know, what she or he is hearing right now. I want to start building some decentralized dApps, Web3 games right now. What are, um, where do I start? Like if that person was to ask you, where do I start? And you mentioned some of the kind of the standout tools and features. Um, what would you, um, what would you highlight? And what would you suggest and how would you kind of, um, I guess you could say, uh, explain that? So the really good news is that if you have ever developed on Ethereum, um, there is, you know, the language for Ethereum is Solidity. And it also happens to be the same language for Polygon as well, because we're a layer two on uh, Ethereum. So if, and also if you have like no coding skills at all, um, I mean, if you learn Solidity, like not the, like, like not only does that make you an Ethereum developer, but that kind of also makes you a Polygon developer. By there you go, right. Just because we are even yeah. compatible. Um, and the cool thing, so like we kind of mentioned this in the beginning, like as like Ethereum being kind of like the mothership of all blockchains is that, I mean, it's existed, you know, I think since 2014. Yeah. So like that's, that's like a hundred years, like in terms of like crypto years. Right, that so, is, like, absolutely. You know, <laughs> incredibly like long time, but mm. more so than that, like a lot of people have been accustomed, you know, to the language of Ethereum. And so you have much more, like more talent that's there and more resources that are meant to help you sort of navigate your way around, you know, that developer language and the tools that have been created, the libraries, the online courses um, around Solidity and, you know, EVM. 
so already you know that's available and if you if anyone wants to do that i mean just like two three hours a week just to sort of get acquainted with the tools i mean everything is there it's it's creating a basic game i think there's like a lot of templates that have been done you know that you could use as a reference as well um, right. i'm happy to actually provide some links um after this call that maybe absolutely that'd be you know, wonderful yeah i would really love to do that because it's just it's insanely simple it's yeah. actually insanely simple and the resources are there to essentially help anyone that is looking into that to make that a bit easier for them right that would be perfect thank you and i'm just curious too because you're the you know web3 gaming lead at polygon do you get questions all the time whether it's from family friends relatives like okay so so what exactly is this space like like the metaverse web3 gaming like like, is this like virtual reality? Like, do you, I, I would imagine you're probably bombarded with all different types of like either straightforward or abstract philosophical questions about like, you know, this space and probably how to explain it, right? Yeah, that's why I don't go out anymore. Just stay at home. Right. You know, I think it's like, it's. it's By the way, that was a perfect answer too. That was great. <laughs> but, um, a lot of people are curious. I think it's like more confusion, but it's like really good because confusion kind of creates curiosity. And right. I never try to explain it right away. I try to like, you know, say enough for them to kind of want to like go home and like research this a bit more right. because obviously it's, it's like much more tangible and like, um, but for me, right. I mean, it's, it's a huge honor that, you know, I get to be in a place where I'm kind of like that go-to friend. Like if you want to, know about whatever and even people like on linkedin i'm not really active on twitter but like i don't think there's ever been one single person that i haven't replied to on like linkedin if anyone just like post your name and i'll like reply but i doubt that there's anyone that i didn't like um unless it's something like very like open-ended like what is crypto like i'll right. probably like send the link to an article but if it's like specifically about web3 gaming like a hundred percent because i think you know, getting people to come on the ecosystem, I think is crucial. Um, right. And so, you know, anyone that's in a similar position, um, whether like they're in Polygon or Solana, like the fact that they can actually get users to come and like onboard them, like by just, you know, having that discussion with them, I think is huge. And if you're in that position, then you should, you know, communicate and, you know, share knowledge and information because that travels as well like to to their friends and you know to to their acquaintances and then kind of creates a snowball effect so i'm always happy to provide information wonderful and thank you and uh you know given you know web3 gaming the metaverse what do you think is the next logical step in society do you think that we can pretty much gamify almost every one of our average everyday experiences so like you know for example like um you know going out uh you know going out into the metaverse and like let's say complete my uh maybe complete my grocery shopping for the week getting up or at least you know logging in like uh an extra hour two hours early you know some sort of tangible reward is is kind of um you know distributed from that do you think that's the next you know step as far as kind of the existence that we all live in I mean, it certainly seems to be the case. I think um, it's not like possible like right now, like this second, but I think that's where we're headed. 
um, there is a need to sort of like recreate life in the most sort of like uh, realistic way possible, you know, and I think that's what's trying to be achieved. You're like, that's the goal. Um, but we're not quite there yet. I mean, if you look at, you know, like the certain metaverses, you know, like we're not quite there yet. It's more so like a roadmap right. of like where we want to be like in X years. But I yes. think that's where we're headed. You know, it's like to so try to cre like recreate that reality in the virtual world as close as possible. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of great projects out there. Um, I mean, there's even like a project that wants to do like mortgages on the metaverse, which is, you know, quite, yeah. quite interesting because like that is the next step because land is becoming a lot more expensive because there's a need for people, you know, more so brands, I think right now to like go and, you know, have their shops on the metaverse. And so like that real estate is becoming a lot more lucrative. So, you know, hence, Hence, you know, having, you know, companies come and say, hey, I, I want to, you know, do mortgages for the metaverse. So right. there is a need for that. Um, and I think what's really interesting is, you know, like working in a field where like all these sort of changes and, all, and like this evolution is kind of happening in real time. Um, I can't necessarily comment on like how it's going to be in like two years because I, I don't think anyone can. Um, it's like more so looking at the trends, looking what the at the users and what they're kind of asking for and then being able to provide that for them but everything is happening in real time like yeah and by the way to make predictions at this point yeah yeah truly anything is possible at this point and by the way i really like the example you made before on our call um with monopoly so let's say if we're talking about metaverse and mortgages and monopoly so imagine if let's say you and i are playing monopoly and maybe there's one or two other people, so to say. So let's say the earnings of the monopoly money that essentially we win or acquire from that game experience, like you can segue that into metaverse real estate or metaverse mortgages. You can kind of become a land baron effectively in the metaverse, you know, from, you know, certain activities, like whether it is something like monopoly or whether it's earnings from gaming and, you know, or, or almost anything else. Yeah, that would be possible. I mean, if there is a monopoly version of play to earn, like those. Wow. Yeah, that's going to be fun. The it's monopoly money would be. Yeah, I mean, I'm very curious and I would actually play that because I always, you know, like, I was always that person that like wanted monopoly. It's like, hey, well, I wish this was real, you know. Right. <laughs> that's what. Monopoly, yeah. So. Same thing. When I was a kid, I, I you know, I win <laughs> and I have like all this colored monopoly money. Like, oh, only I could use this right now. But that's actually fascinating because like, like I've, like I've personally observed this as well, like playing Monopoly and like observing my friends, you, you kind of get that high of like, you actually want this, yes. you know, like, you know, oh, I'm so rich right now. Then you start getting, you know, a little bit aggressive with your friends and like your tone changes because all of a sudden, you know, right. But yeah, then you leave the table and then, you know, there's, there's, there's no store that's going to be like, Hey, here's my $200 from Monopoly. Nah. So but, you know, having that, like those monopoly dollars as tokens right. is a real thing, you know, if, well, obviously it's like someone would have to buy the IP for monopoly or if monopoly is sure. you know, yeah. having that in web three. And if they are, you know, <laughs> I would, I would imagine somebody has probably already mentioned it there with whoever owns the IP. Cause it's probably an excellent idea. I mean, it's great, not just because it's monopoly, but because everyone 
played Monopoly or almost everyone has played Monopoly. So like, you know, coming right. to people and telling them that if there was a Monopoly version and that like these, you know, like, like you actually get to have a wallet that if you win the game, then like those tokens would be transferred to your wallet. And then it is a real thing, you know, like that sort of right. sensation that you had while playing Monopoly, you know, is tangible because those rewards are real. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if, if I think if like Monopoly does something like that, just because a lot of people have heard of Monopoly out, I, I would imagine that it would take people that have never interacted with like, like with Web3 to want to make that leap to Web3, just because like, this is a real possible thing right now. Right. And uh, I like what you mentioned about winning Monopoly money and kind of the, the special feeling or thrill or that kind of winner's high from like winning that money. If I was to compare it to something, if, when I was a kid, if I would play chess and if I won, that's great. Like I feel good. Like, oh, you know, there's a lot of strategy. There's a lot of thought. But when you won Monopoly money, that's a totally different feeling. It's in your hand. It's in different colors. You can feel it. And I would imagine in the metaverse, you're going to have all these tokens or let's say, um, you know, NFTs even, because I would imagine like a Monopoly uh, metaverse is going to have all kinds of pieces and, and things. That is going to bring a totally different level on top of that. Yeah, this is what's really cool about the creator's economy. It's that like there's no sort of end to the imagination. Like there's no limit to that. And, you know, to just touch on like that, that like feeling of monopoly, it's because like it's gamified to a point where like if you actually do make it and you do win, like there's a sense of achievement that comes right. with that. Even if their words aren't exactly tangible, you know, like you don't get to, you know, put that money in your wallet, so to speak, but you're kind of really happy that you made it all like to this position and you had to like fight off all of your friends and, you know, right. but um, so like kind of like the next level of that would be like having it as a Web3 game where like that sort of satisfaction would be also translated to, you know, material possession um, that you guys can use or right. sell or keep or so I think, yeah, I think it's, it's it's interesting to see where the space will evolve. But I would also comment that getting, you know, like sort of like legacy Web 2 IP into Web 3 is oh, you know, going to be yeah. a very encouraging factor for gamers to make that leap to Web 3 just because it's a sign of confidence like that their favorite game or their favorite studio is kind of going into that territory. Right. And speaking of Monopoly, or the notion of monopoly rather. So I kind of have an abstract but relevant question regarding you know the metaverse and the subject matter. Could there ever be a monopoly in the metaverse, particularly as to gaming? Like, could there ever be like a situation where essentially, if you if we have a model here, could, could the metaverse ever essentially be one country with just many different provinces or you know territories within it? Or do you think the metaverse will always be more like a solar system? There's pretty much going to be um, spread out planets and separate worlds. And yes, you can access them, you know, but there's a little bit of distance. There's going to be a little bit of time, let's say, hopping from planet to planet and whatnot. And, you know, solar system is also seemingly, you know, infinite as well. So, I mean, who really knows how long it truly is or who knows really where the boundaries are, so to say. So I kind of wanted to know your thoughts on that. Oh, God. Um, I mean, this kind of ties into, like, I would love to comment on this and, like, say yes or no, but, like, even I don't know. 
right like, just because it's like everything is happening in real time like all these projects are happening like in real time and i think there's also it's okay that you know the ecosystem is kind of figuring like just figuring this all out and like what it means to them like from a cultural standpoint from a gamer standpoint um like making like mistakes it's still very early days and then you know seeing right. where that like where this is all going and i think the treat that we have here is that we're kind of able to witness that um, but, you know, having that as a possibility, you know, having, you know, like what you just described as a choice and then seeing how users react to that, I think is equally as important that it exists and it's there. And, you know, if it becomes really popular, then great. And if it's not, well, you know, on to the next right. thing. Yeah, for sure. But, um, and, you know, just from like yes. a user, sorry to cut you off. No, no um, just from a user continue. perspective, I think what's um, really crucial is. I think there's this notion right now that it's like making that leap to web three, like from a gamer perspective, like there's not a lot of education out there, or maybe that's not accurate. There is education out there, but the fact that you kind of have to go through that to, you know, learn how to buy NFTs or like learn how to interact with web three gaming is right. certainly a barrier to entry. And I think what we're going to be seeing is, you know, just facilitating the user onboarding process. So, you know, allowing Absolutely. you to very easily exchange from, you know, crypto to fiat um, in such a way where it's seamless and you don't have to go on a decentralized exchange. I mean, asking someone to like know how to use like MetaMask, Uniswap, PancakeSwap, you know, and then it's like, whoa, like, you know, like I didn't sign up for this kind of thing, but right. just, you know, kind yeah. of wrapping that up. It's not everyone. Yeah. Like, I, I think crypto natives kind of assume that it's like, yeah, just, you know, use MetaMask. And it's like, actually, I had my friend that was like, you know, that thing that looks like a fox. I'm like, oh, you mean like MetaMask? It's like, what is that? And for me, that just kind of reaffirms that this person could very easily, because he is a very smart guy, like this person could be on Web3, but like the fact that like, he's talking about the fox and he has no idea what the fox does kind of saying is, is really right. funny because I think that could very be easily solved by just having a much easier, you know, like user onboarding process. And I think that's where it's headed. I mean, there's a lot more wallets right now that are very easy to use. And I think the end goal perhaps would be to, to onboard the user in such a way where they don't even feel like they're interacting with all these tools. But like this is all happening in the back end, and there are right. solutions for this like right now, but, you know, having that in Web3, you know, for the bigger games and for the games, I think that's very important to sort of like lower the barrier to entry for the users and just, you know, make it easy and simple for everyone to come and um, come in on Web3 and play these games. So yeah, I think that's going to be a central theme, like user sort of like the user experience is going to become um, one of the main themes as well for 2022. Right. And you mentioned a very interesting point earlier when it came to gamification and NFTs. So um, there is a notion out there with many, with NFTs. And it's like, okay, this is a JPEG. Let's say if we're on, on the cynical side or the cynical crowd of when it comes to people and NFTs, this is a JPEG. What is the utility outside of this? Now with gamification and Web3, that essentially adds a utility to NFTs, especially as to the gaming ecosystem. Uh, do you think NFTs, a lot of them that are out there, outside of gaming, I mean, are they running into the risk that more and more of the same is being kind of mass produced at this point? Because I'll even say, just anecdotally speaking, 
I feel like I've seen copy upon copy of certain things out there. And even me, I'm like, are we kind of running into like an NFT bubble or something like that, you know, right now? Because it almost seems like to me, if we're going to get to the point where, let's say the NFT phenomenon is going to become a bubble and that bubble will pop eventually, so to say, is the next solution evolution shouldn't it be gaming like i, I kind of wonder uh you know especially kind of with, with like what i'm kind of seeing out there and just things i hear um wanted to know some of your thoughts on that yeah i think it's you know it's becoming harder and harder for anyone to have another nft collection and i think we right. spoke about this like what does that mean like another nft collection like kind of you know something that's been copied or there is no right. sort of like utility for it. i mean it can be like beyond gaming i mean if it's like a really good artist right. and sort of like this is their bread and butter i mean why not because this is actually what they do but we've seen many projects out there that are kind of like copycat projects or yes kind of like get rich quick schemes um but i think that's that's okay or like that was okay like even just to get people to like you know have an yeah. interest in just it. get like a in broader buy-in from people yeah but I think, you know, it's getting much more challenging, a lot more challenging right now, just because it's very saturated. There's a lot more marketplaces. The expectations are higher. Um, people are looking for utilities. So like they are starting to question that sort of like, if I, if I have this, so if it's a really good artist, well, I get to have ownership, you know, of that artist's um, work. So that's right. totally fine. But on the gaming perspective, like, that utility is there and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're speculating um to buy the nft because it's going to increase in value it might just be that you want it in that game like to have it as an asset in that game and i think this is kind of where we're headed right now where like that utility is beyond sort of like that investor approach of like i'm buying this because it might 100x you know right at some point uh but i think more so right now it's you know having that utility having that value um, yeah having you know you know buying it because you actually want to use it in the game and like you don't really care if it's gonna 100x or not right because uh you know what what kind of um comes to mind and i'm starting to hear and see um some more of this out there like um are NFTs running into the problem where there's just going to be kind of more pump and dump? So like, you know, copies upon copies, you know, hoping something 25 X's or a hundred X's, you know, you know, something like that. I kind of wonder, is that just going to kind of enable that environment, you know, much more. And then I think of gaming, you know, and I've played, you know, platforms like Axie and, you know, similar things like that before. And, you know, I never left that experience feeling like, okay, um, I just did something redundant. No, like, um, you know, whether it's like items, um, whether it's like, a, you know, you could say NFT type objects that you acquire or win in that world, everything kind of has meaning in gaming, you know, Wh whatever game you're using, you know, this item, this NFT is useful for this context or this situation. And kind of like what you're saying with a lot of these kind of collections, um, it's it, it it's 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 kind of going to the situation. What is the use going to be if not for a quick buck or something like that? Yeah, actually, you mentioned something very interesting, which is like you know a lot of these rug pulls that are going on, you know, and and you know like people and like anonymous teams kind of like exploiting that. Um, what's really interesting 
about the space right now is that there's the element of accountability. So running KYC on the teams that have, you know, a certain project. So back in the days of like ICOs, you know, it was a very anonymous process, you know, like right. you didn't necessarily need to know who the team was. It was just, you know, another big project that was coming and that was going to make all these differences and, you know, super cool, but there was no accountability. But I think IDOs kind of solved that. So like initial DEX offerings. Um, yes. Where in order to be on the IDO, there is a KYC process that's done on the team and on the project itself, just to make sure that, you know, their users are not affected by this and that if they are affected by this, then whoever did that is accountable. Um, right. You know, like making it to the top IDOs as well. It's like there's, it's kind of reassuring for the users that they're kind of interacting with credible projects. Right. Um, for NFTs, I mean, I don't think marketplaces have started doing KYC per se, like on, on the creators, but you know, yeah, that's it actually might a good be point. the case yeah. at some point. Right. Yeah. I don't think there's any type of like streamlined process or procedure as far as KYC and the creators for, you know, some of these things, you know, a lot of these things kind of just exist in like discords and telegram channels and stuff like that. So um, yeah, that's, that's a very, you know, that's a very good point. Uh, yeah. And by the way, having, uh, yes. Sorry. No, continue, please. Um, you know, having that KYC as well on creators, I think that would kind of limit, I mean, content. So like there is sort of like that argument of, you know, it's, it's Web3, it's decentralized, you know, anonymity should always be a solution. Sorry, like should always be there, you know, because of the nature of the space as a whole. Yes. But, you know, also having that KYC process would, you know, you wouldn't have as many creators out there. I mean, like there's some people that do want to stay anonymous, but I think from a user perspective, sort of like when you're buying something from someone that it is in fact that person and that, you know, if anything happens that you wouldn't want to happen, that there is kind of like an accountability, like there's no customer service, like with Web3, like it's not, you're going to call right. Polygon. Yeah, there's not an 800 number it. per I mean, se. Yeah. Polygon might actually answer you, but if you right. call, you know, like OpenSea and be like, hey, I mean, that's actually interesting because, <laughs> right. you know, like the the um, the idea of accountability, I think, will become a lot more prominent. Um, and especially like if you look at regulation right now, it is very like volatile. I mean, if you look at different jurisdictions, every jurisdiction sort of has like its own way of doing things. So right. even that will play a factor into like how the space is going to be evolving. Um, yeah. And I mean, if you look at Web2 traditionally, um, you know, once you're accepting transactions from anyone, there's always that process of, K of like KYC. So I don't know if that's going to be like a thing in this space, but um, the fact that we have IDOs and people are okay with KYC is certainly a sign that it might be the case or maybe a hybrid of that um, in right. the near future. Wonderfully put. And on an ending note, for anybody who wants to get started in Web3 gaming and they're looking at Polygon. What advice would you give to anybody who, let's say, A, they're just entering the blockchain space, B, they just want to build a game, C, a little bit of both. They just want to experience uh, Web3 gaming. They want to know more about blockchain. How do they start? Or what advice would you give people when they kind of start their start this journey into you know, um, the metaverse, so to say? Um, so it's already great that you're interested in learning more about the space. 
And what's really cool right now, there's just so much information out there that, you know, no one can possibly keep up with everything that's going on in like crypto land. Right. But, you know, even engaging in that interest, you know, a bunch of articles, you know, are out there that really explain, for example, what, for example, NFTs are. So just kind of like getting your hands dirty with like what's already available out there um, and having that curiosity. I think anyone that has that curiosity and actually goes and tries to like discover is like ultimately like led into like this this like rabbit hole of right. I can't stop anymore kind of thing. Like I haven't yeah. seen a lot of people that like started looking into Web3 that said, oh, this is not for me. It's more like I came in with like three questions and I thought I was going to find some answers, but now I just, you know, left with like a hundred questions, right. which is good because those questions are what are going to lead you to find out more about the space. Um, so yeah, I would definitely say like, you know, start by joining, you know, a cool YouTube channel that kind of explains things and how they go on, like literally go on the protocols and read about them. There's usually a lot of information, white papers, roadmaps. Um, so I would start like more on the literature front just to figure out what right. everything is. Um, yeah. And then start by getting a wallet, <laughs> you know, right. even if you don't want to necessarily buy any NFTs or any digital assets, but just figuring out how that works because it is kind of like a central piece um, to the environment right now. Um, yeah, follow uh, follow people that talk about this space. I think even just being indirectly exposed to some of the information that goes out there is, um, does help long-term and it's better than nothing. Um, right. And yeah, so there's go on the marketplaces, look at the collections and then maybe like try to figure out like, why is this collection, you know, so hyped? And then maybe then, I think like all these different things can like lead you to figure out more about the space in general, but yeah. interacting with it is it's, it's actually like insanely simple. If you know, someone actually has the drive to figure out how it works and there's no going back after that. Solid advice and very well put. Uh, I've always been a fan of Polygon. I've been very impressed with its, uh, capabilities and possibilities in the space and you know, I have to say I think I'm going to start trying to build my own uh, type of uh, web3 game now and see uh, see where I can go with that uh, Sophia it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show today you explained all of these concepts well I would say anybody who is just learning about this space now I think they have a good primer and an outline to go about figuring out what exactly they like and what direction they want to go in this space. So, Sophia, again, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to having you, you know, come back on and perhaps co-host an episode or two together and further expand on Web3 Gaming and the metaverse and see where this will be going in 2022. Anything is possible. Anything can happen. It, I mean, with all the chaos that's going on today, um, there's also a tremendous amount of uh, possibilities, especially um, in this space. Yeah, that would be super dope. I mean, if I was able to convince even like one person to go and try to interact with Web3, like that was the goal for today, for sure. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. Yeah, uh, I, th I think it's mission accomplished. Well, if anyone did have that curiosity, like leave a message on uh, Tyler's, sorry, on, Adam, on, on Adam's uh, LinkedIn, and I would be very happy to see that. I mean, it's very reassuring that we are able to sort of like get to, you know, like interact with the community. I think it's really important to, you know, even have this channel, Adam, where you can oh, thank you. reach people and, you know, even people that haven't heard about the space or just, you know, have, you know, 
an hour to even hear about what's going on. I think it's really great that this is a possibility and super excited to come back and, you know, talk about gaming. And maybe next time we can have questions um, from the people that watch today's episode. And I would. Yeah, absolutely. We can, to... we can do something like that, have a live questions coming in and answer it um, as we are, as we are speaking. And, you know, you know, and, and you know, I have to highlight this, um, you know, I'm very grateful and thankful for guests such as yourself and all the other guests who've been on the show, uh, Crypto with English. Um, it is very, very rewarding and kind for um, guests to volunteer and share their time to explain um, all of these nuances and minutia about blockchain in really a very pleasant, casual, conversational, you know, type of way. That's really, that's really what makes uh, the show kind of. Uh, work it's kind of the magic in the in the engine here so to say so you know i'm very happy and grateful and appreciative of that to say the very least yeah and you know thank you for letting me interact with your community um again i'm super excited um to also see your other episodes i think it's a really yes. cool initiative and uh well, thank you getting to watch this space in real time so thank you for having me yes likewise and everybody be sure to check out this episode on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, LinkedIn Live, and to be candid, it's on all the other major platforms as well. So stay tuned and check it out. And be sure to DM me, uh, send me messages um, about this episode, any questions, any suggestions, any ideas, or maybe some of your thoughts and uh, reflections about today too. So anyway, Sophia, take care, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Adam. Take care. Thank you. Bye.